Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. They aren't like religious things that we do to tick the box and say, yes, I've passed, you know, yes, I can do this now. No, no, they're, they're, they're a way that we place ourselves before God, knowing that ultimately it is He who comes in and transforms us from the inside out, not, not externally, but internally first, which then flows out through the rest of our lives. So these are things like prayer, fasting, service, obviously, which I just spoke about, worship. Um, these things aren't the goal. Relationship with Jesus is always the goal. Um, but as we put these patterns in our lives, they're like, a, just like you use a trellis to uh, shape a vine for how it grows. They're patterns and practices that we put into our lives that we can grow on and become more and more like Christ. So to catch you up, we've spent, um, so January and February, we talked about fasting. It's a great way to start the year, especially if you've overeaten at Christmas. Um, and then we went March and April, we talked about worship. Uh, May and June, we talked about simplicity. And July and August, we talked about prayer. And so uh, that brings us to uh, these couple of months. We're in our life groups, like I said, we're going to be, going to be talking about service, and um, you might be thinking, wow, two whole months in a life group on service, it doesn't sound like maybe the most inspiring theme, or maybe it doesn't sound like the, even the most spiritual theme, you know, is that something that Jesus would be talking about uh, if he was here today, and, and I would say an absolute yes. Why? Because we see it all through the Bible as Jesus journeys with his disciples, uh, we, 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 see this, um, we see this concept of serving, of service, all the way through. Um, author Richard Foster from the book Celebration of Discipline, which you actually have a few copies for sale uh, down the back there, I encourage you to check those out, says this. He says, as the cross is the sign of submission, so the towel is the sign of service. When Jesus gathered his disciples for the Last Supper, they were having trouble deciding who was the greatest. This was no new issue for them. That's found in Luke 9.46. It said, an argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. Uh, whenever there's trouble over who is the greatest, there is trouble over who is the least. That's the crux of the matter, isn't it? Most of us know that we'll never be the greatest, just don't let us be the least. Wow, what, what, what a challenge from Foster there. Um, and just like that quote when he was referencing that night when Jesus had gathered his team together, it's known as the Last Supper. So he was about to go to the cross. He was about to go into this uh, next season of, of suffering and then ultimately victory over sin, victory over death, and then ascension to heaven later. But what a, what, what a, what a challenge on that night when Jesus had gathered his team together and in that time and that culture, they all knew that someone needed to wash everyone's feet. That, that, was, that was just how it, how it happened. But the issue was that culturally, it was usually the person of least reputation that performed that task. I, I could imagine the disciples sort of looking around, you know, trying not to make on cap, um, sorry, trying not to make eye contact with Jesus, you know, like in the classroom when the teacher's looking around for like a, a volunteer and you're like looking at your desk, looking behind, you know, scratching your, or doing something like that. You're like, don't pick me. I don't know what I'm talking about. But, you know, maybe the disciples were a little bit like that. 
that, maybe they were looking down at some of their own dirty, disgusting feet. You know, maybe they hadn't, you know, filed some nails in a while. Maybe they needed to see a podiatrist, but it hadn't been for a while. And they're like, oh, there's no way. I'm, I know what my feet are like. I, I'm not watching Matthews. I'm, I'm, not looking at, I'm not looking at someone else's. But then Jesus took a towel and a basin and he redefined greatness. And maybe... Maybe that's what God is calling us to today. Maybe that's what God is calling us to over these couple of months, not to actually literally wash someone's feet. Have you had that happen to you before? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah it can be powerful, also can be awkward and feel really strange. But I had a, a, a pastor who wanted to, you know, demonstrate and so, you know, wash the feet of, of the team. And, you know, it was, it was great and one of those great moments, but also weird because, like, people touching me is the worst thing to begin with. And then your feet, it's like, oh, just, you know, that's, 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 just, that's just personally. But so we're not talking about that literally today. We don't have a whole bunch of buckets out the back. The hosts aren't bringing them in and we're not about to say, pick a partner and you know, wash each other's feet because I know there'll be many exiting the door if that's what we're doing. But <laughs> pick a partner. Anyway, no, let's not go there. Okay, so, um, but I do know that God has called us to metaphorically wash other people's feet. Why, why did Jesus choose this last night to do this? Well, I believe that when it comes to any team, any healthy team, any healthy community, it's got to contain people who don't just perform service, but being a servant, taking on the DNA of that servant heart is deep within them. It's deep within their soul, not just a couple of tick box things that we do. And so, so Jesus was really starting to define, he knew he was going to the cross. He knew he was leaving his disciples soon. He's like, I've got to leave something with these guys because they've been arguing over this greatness stuff for a fair while, but I need to leave something in them that will show them that that is not the way. I need to leave something in them. I need to show them what it looks like to carry a heart of service. And you see, I believe that God has called that for us as well, that no matter whatever community we're a part of and wherever you find community in your workplace, in your family, uh, in this church, in your sporting club, in your community association, wherever it is, any healthy community is filled with people who carry a heart to serve others, carry a heart to say, you know what, I'm happy to be maybe considered the least. I'm not trying to push myself. I'm not trying to climb the corporate ladder. I'm not trying to step over people to get to where I want to be. I'm carrying something different. And so God has called us to be that in whatever community we find ourselves in. And, and so what we're going to do for the rest of our time is we're going to look at a parable that Jesus taught earlier in Matthew chapter 25. Uh, if you're familiar with the Bible, you might know it well. It's called the parable of the talents. Um, and so we're going to look at this parable and go, what does this tell us about service? What does this tell us about this practice of being a person that doesn't just perform a task but carries a heart of service? And so I'll read it, I'll read it for you. It's Matthew 25 verse 14. Um, this is from the NLT translation, so don't freak out because it says bags of silver, not talents. It's all right. From verse 14, it says this, again, the kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus speaking, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, 
two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. Dividing it in proportion to their abilities, uh, he then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground. Look, dug a, dug a hole. So I don't know where that just came to my mind. Love the castle. Anyway, and hid the master's money. But then I filled it with water. Anyway, okay. Okay, after a long time, their master returned from the trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in uh, handling this small amount. So now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I've earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling a small, handling, sorry, a small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew uh, you were a harsh man harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow, there's so much in this um, parable here. Uh, for us to unpack. But basically, this is an illustration that Jesus gives us of how the kingdom of heaven looks like. That is how he has called us to live, not just in the future, but to live today while we're here on earth. So Jesus predominantly is communicating his point in this parable by the contrast between the servants who received the five and the two talents and the servant, and the servant sorry, that just receives the one. The master entrusts them all with something precious before he leaves, saying he'll be back. And for us, it may not be a bag of silver, although the finances that God has for us and has given us are something that he wants us to be good stewards of. Um, But I I wanna let each and every person here know that God has given you something to use to grow and to multiply. He has given you something precious. We've talked about this a lot over the course of this year, but, but there's this power in understanding that everything that we have is a gift from God. Everything that we have is ultimately a gift from Him. For some people, it's a timely reminder that what you have is not just because of your own achievement. Sure, the university degree you have or the career you've developed didn't just happen because you prayed, even though probably there were times of prayer, particularly when assessments were being handed in, lots of times of prayer, Lord, please help me, or that exam you didn't study for, and everyone quotes that. The Holy Spirit tells us all things. So Holy Spirit, please tell me about this that I didn't study. It doesn't quite work like that. But even though there was prayer involved, 
even though, of course, you got in and worked hard and developed skills and a knowledge base that's made a way for you, but with that understanding, we need to, we need to comprehend that those raw materials that we began with were a gift from God. Everything that we have is a gift from God. For others here, you may feel at the moment like you don't have anything to give or contribute. You know like who God is, but understanding who He has created you to be and what difference you can make is, is, is fundamental for, for living out that purpose that God has for our lives. You, you, you might think, you know, well, what difference can I make? Why would God care about what I do? Or I'm not talented or I'm not that significant or I'm not, I'm not that wise. But to you, I wanna say the same thing, that what you have is a gift from God. You may feel like you don't have one, but I want to speak faith and hope into your life this morning and say that what you have is a gift from God. Those skills, those talents, the things that come naturally to you that you think, well, well that doesn't count because everyone finds that easy. No, they don't. You do because that's the way that God has gifted you. That's what God has put, a gift, a precious gift that He has placed inside of your life, in the home in the workplace, in your friendship group, in the sporting club or community association that you're a part of, you may think what you have is of little significance, but what I, what I wanna tell you is what you have, God wants to use to make a massive difference. That God wants to use the gifts and abilities and the time and maybe the finances and the whatever you have, God has placed them there in you on purpose. They weren't by accident. He's given you those gifts to be used to bring glory to Him, to bring good to those around you and to see His kingdom extended on this earth. And maybe this was one of the things that stopped the servant with the one talent. Maybe that's why he's, he hid his talent. Maybe that's why he buried it in the ground because what he thought he had, he didn't, he didn't think it made a difference. What he thought he had was so, so well, you know, master hasn't given me five, master hasn't given me two. Just this one single talent, well, it mustn't, it mustn't be that, it mustn't be that significant. It mustn't, it mustn't make a difference. But the master, and that's God in this story, is he wants to see what he's given us multiply and grow. What about, what about you? Have you buried something? Have you buried a gift, buried a, a talent that God is calling you and God is encouraging you up to, to use it to serve others, to use it to bring good to whatever community you're a part of? What, what is it that God has placed in your life? You know, often, like I said, we don't use what we have because we think it's, you know, insignificant and it won't make a difference. But usually that's because we misunderstand how God works. And ultimately, if we're honest, we think that it's all about us. You see, we, we think that we have to be the ones making the sole difference. Well, if I do this, is it gonna, is it gonna show me, is it gonna be any bang for my buck? Is it, is it gonna show me something as I do this? But what you need to understand is that God is the ultimate chess grandmaster. He has the big plan. He moves the pieces round with his goal of seeing his kingdom purpose achieved. Maybe in the moment, you feel like a sacrificial pawn who's expendable. But I wanna tell you that you were actually an integral part of the big plan to see the win take place. You see, without your serving, 
God couldn't move the knight into the right place to put pressure on the king so that the queen could come in for a checkmate. He needed you. He needed your serving. He needed your talent. He needed your gift. As much as often you may think it doesn't make a difference, God has a master plan. He's zoomed out. He has the big picture. And what we have, God wants to use. What we have, God wants to say, I can work that in my kingdom. I can put that together. I have a whole church here. I have the capital C church. That's all the churches in Mandarin together. I can make a difference here. I have churches in Australia. I have Christians in Afghanistan. I have Christians in India. I have Christians in America. I have Christians everywhere. And as they all step out and use the little that they think they have, God works it together to see His kingdom plan take shape. So will you use yours? Will you use your talent? Will you use that small part to make a big difference? Ephesians 2.10, I love this scripture, says this. For we are God's masterpiece. That's you. God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. And He has created us, that's you and me. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus. Watch this, so that He can do the good things. Sorry, let me quote it properly. So we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. God has good plans for you to walk in. God has good steps for you to take in your workplace, in your school, at your university, in your family. God has good plans for you to step into, for you to uh, listen to God's voice, obey and use that talent and those gifts to serve others. God has that for you. So let's embrace the small. Let's trust that God is using it to great effect and understand that there's something bigger to be a part of and as we use that gift as we use that talent as we place that in the hands of God he he works it like that grandmaster to see his kingdom come to pass Uh, I want to bring you back to that um, that parable verses 24 and 25 specifically you see one of the areas that the servant with one talent missed is not only did he maybe think that his one talent wouldn't make a difference and wouldn't be significant. But he also um, misunderstood what the master was like. let's, Let's check out this verse, verse 24, 25. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid in the, uh, so I hid it in the earth. Like, really? Like, really? Like, how, how, did the, how did the servant know that? The, the statement doesn't actually make sense at all. So much so that look at the master's response, verse 26. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest. Notice that the master doesn't say to him, hey, you know what? You're exactly right. I am harsh. And I, am, and I am cruel. What, what, what the master does is he pulls his logic apart and says, okay, if that's what you think, if that's what you knew, then why didn't you even invest the money somewhere else? You see, one of the things that this guy with one talent uh, was you know, off kilter with was that he misunderstood who the master was. But maybe, because we don't know from the story, maybe he had had an experience with the master like that before. And I know for for us here this morning that I'm sure there's people here that maybe you've had a poor, harsh experience 
of serving someone else. Maybe you felt like you were taken advantage of. Maybe you served in a church for many years and by the end of it, you felt burnted, you know, worn out and you're like, I will never do that again. I'll, I'll keep my walls up, I'll keep my guard up. Maybe you served and stepped out and someone was critical of you or, or, or something happened. Maybe there was a bad experience that has caused you to bury a talent in the ground. I wanna encourage you this morning that I feel like now's the time God's encouraging you. Would you lay aside some of the hurt? Would you lay aside some of those things that have maybe come around to, you know, to, to see us something wrong on the inside of our soul? Would you lay them aside and say, you know what, God, anew and afresh, I'm gonna serve you. Anew and afresh, I'm gonna lay aside the comparisons that have happened before or the criticism that happened before or whatever went on and say, you know what, I'm gonna serve God with the gifts that I have. Remember I said this, um, this servant misunderstood who the master was. One of my, I have a lot of favorites, but one of my favorite quotes from A.W. Tozer is this. He says, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. What comes into your mind when you think about God, that is your perception of who God is. He says, that is the most important thing about you. You see, our perception of who God is, what He thinks about us and how God acts will make a significant impact on how we serve Him and how we serve others. I wanna encourage you that the whole underlying thought about implementing these different practices of prayer and service and worship, of reading the Word of God, it's all pointing to us understanding and experiencing more and more of who God is, of getting our picture clearer about the type of God that we serve, that He's not angry, that He's not, um, doesn't just write us off when we make a mistake, that He's a loving God, that the Word says that His mercies are new for us each and every morning, that when we fail, that when we fall, He's there to lift us up, that just like Peter stepped out of the boat, had a bit of a go, saw some winds and waves coming around, freaked out and, starting to, and started to sink, Jesus is there with His hand to say, it's all right, Peter, let's, let's have another go. It's all right, Peter, let's come up out of there. And, and I wanna tell you this morning, there's some people that God wants to say to you, I, I'm not like how you've thought, I'm like, so that was a really bad sentence. Let me say it again. <laughs> I realized that as I was saying it. God wants to say to you, your perception of me is incorrect. I'm not like that. You may have experienced that. Some, someone might have shown you that, but that's not who I am. Jesus is there with his hand saying, that's not what I'm like. Let me show you, let me invite you into a life-giving relationship with me because I wanna show you what I am truly like. You see, God is not just a concept or philosophy to be studied, but He's a person to build a relationship with. You see, the servant with one talent, he did not understand the nature of his master. Let's, let's not be like that. Let's turn off Netflix. Let's open God's Word. Let's say no to be caught up in the 24-hour news cycle of fear and gloom and let's start our days not by looking at a screen but by encountering the presence of God through worship or through walking in creation or, or, or wherever you have that time. Let's take moments not just to read inspirational quotes on Facebook um, but get in touch with the ultimate source of inspiration which is God. 
let's gather with other like-minded people who encourage us in that greater walk with Jesus Christ. And as we do that, as we truly begin to understand the type of God that we serve, and then our, ser- then our service to others comes out of that overflow of Christ's love. It comes out of that overflow of understanding who God is in our hearts. So really, that was, whole, that was Jesus' whole point of grabbing the towel and washing the disciples' feet. Remember what we started with right at, right at the Last Supper? He wanted to show them that service was not just an, an act or something that we do, but this is who you are. As a community, as a team, this is who you are. And I wanna encourage you as a church, this is who we are. I wanna encourage you as a Jesus follower, as you go into your workplace, or wherever you associate with people, this is who you are. God has called us to serve. God has called us to make an impact. And so what I wanna do for the next couple of minutes is just really quickly give you a couple of, um, a couple of ways that as a church community uh, that we're gonna serve not only the community here, but the wider community as well. And the, the, the first one I'm just gonna spend a little bit of time on because uh, Rachel's gonna talk more about this uh, later. But um, as, as, a, as a church, we're uh, launching something, you might have seen the bags as you walked in um, this morning called Elevation Pantry. And what it is, it's, it's for us, it's uh, how we as a church can serve our community Uh, through food, through a food relief arm. And as I've said uh, many times before uh, here, we have a lot of great services uh, in the city of Mandurah, so we aren't trying to uh, reinvent the wheel, but we feel like our niche is to be quick and easy. I know that's not usually what you say about yourself, but you know, in this, in this context, it's work, it works, right? Okay, we wanna be quick and easy. We wanna provide support without a lot of red tape. We wanna do what we can to help those in need right at their, at their point of need. And for us as a church, that's a way that we can serve our community, not just as a task, but because that's who we are as little red tape as possible. And so we, we, we wanna encourage you to get behind that and support that. And Rachel talk about that uh, a little bit more. Uh, but what I wanna spend a couple of minutes on is what we talked about at our Leadership and Vision Night on Wednesday night. And um, as, we, as we announced then, because of your generosity and giving to Legacy, uh, we're able to, to action the extension and upgrade of this auditorium, which is exciting. So um, yeah, we can clap that again. Come on, let's do it. So we need to create space, not only practically, because most weeks we're, we're pretty full. Um, I'm so glad that we are this week as well when speaking about it. Always makes the pastor feel a little bit, little, little bit better. Um, but um, like I said, because most weeks we're full, but, because, and, but it's because God has called us to reach more people for Him. And there's something about seeing space about seeing spare chairs on a Sunday that helps to propel us forward in inviting people that don't know Jesus Christ to church, whether that's a family member that we've been believing for, our neighbor, our workout buddy, our work colleague, whatever it is, space speaks. There's something in all of us that when we see it full, we just sort of think a little bit, even though we know it's not true, ah, job done. And so like I said, we'll be uh, knocking out this wall, we'll be extending this stage, we'll be upgrading uh, production equipment, we'll be moving parents' room from out of the separate area to that back corner where parents can feel uh, connected to the service, have a window there, they can actually see what's going on. Um, It's going to be amazing. We're going to be air conditioning the auditorium, um, which is awesome. Awesome. Rachel's really excited about that. Um, 
and you can play a part in that. You, you, you can play a part. We, we thank everyone for their generosity who has already played a part. There's another way, and at Elevation, we call it a quick fit. And we had a bunch of people sign up for this on our Wednesday night, which is exciting. But what it is, is that our goal is to get, besides the air conditioning, because, um, you know, it's not just a home job, kick your walls in and, you know, chuck a few splits in. We're getting, getting people to actually do it properly. But um, there's a whole bunch of areas that we can be practically involved in. And so starting on Sunday, the 12th of September... Um, after, uh, after our service and running the whole week. Our goal is to get uh, pretty much everything except the um, air conditioning done in that week. So that's knocking out this wall, that's painting, that's framing up rooms, that's extending stages, that's, that's all, those, all those types of things. And so um, whatever skills you have, large or small, there's power and ownership that comes as we gather together as a community to see this take shape. Obviously, we have professional trades involved, and so we've got a jeep rocker booked, we've got electrician booked, we've got gas fitters coming to you know, remove heaters, etc. But whether it's trade work, whether it's laboring, whether it's electrical, whether it's you know, cleaning, painting, whether it's holding stuff while other people make sure it stays on the wall, we can all make a difference and we can all play a part. And so we'd love you at the Next Steps area. Um, check out your calendars, um, have a look. So from September the 12th, that's the Sunday, and there's a form down there you can fill out and just say, hey, I'm available at this time, this day, uh, I have these skills. If you are trade qualified, encourage you, please come and have a chat. I would love to get you uh, involved. Um, if you're like, you know what, I'm not uh, that great, but I am passionate. Come, we want to have you involved as we do food for all the volunteers that come in. And it's an amazing week where we see God move practically through all our lives. So uh, I, I want to I encourage you uh, to do that. If you want to find out more information, come and have, it, come and have a chat. But go and fill in, uh, fill in your details on the forms down there and we'll get in contact with you, let you know the plan and get involved, which would be awesome. So we're, we're really excited for that. But uh, just in this moment, as maybe the worship team comes and joins me again as we get 